Welcome to the podcast, Estate Planning with Paul Rabelais, where we'll discuss the latest and simplest legal strategies and tactics available for you to protect your estate for yourself and your family, all in easy-to-understand terms. It's all about protecting your estate now, so you and your loved ones can reap the benefits later. And now your host, estate planning attorney, Paul Rabelais. So in this podcast, we're going to talk about how individuals who own an individual retirement account, IRA, some of the challenges they face when attempting to protect the value of that fund and qualify for Medicaid if they enter a nursing home. So, hey, everybody, I'm Paul Rabelais. I'm an estate planning attorney here in Louisiana. So let's start with the basics. Um, When someone gets older, typically when they get older, and they get to a point in their life where they can't take care of themselves, many of those people or their families consider um, putting that person in in a nursing home. And people in a nursing home, some of those people are private pay patients and some of them are Medicaid recipients. Um, When an individual goes into a nursing home, there's there's a fairly extensive Medicaid application process that takes place. And um, if someone, uh, based on their assets and their income, if they kind of quote unquote have too much, then they have to incur all of that nursing home expense out of their own pocket. Others um, will qualify for Medicaid. So just the real basics there. When someone goes through the Medicaid application process, um, they either have, well, not, not either, they have typically exempt assets and perhaps they'll have countable resources. The exempt assets, now the main ones are your home and your car. The countable resources really are just about anything else that an individual could own. Things like bank accounts, their checking account, their savings account, their certificates of deposit, their CDs, any stocks, bonds, mutual funds, savings bonds, any real estate that's not their home, any out-of-state real estate, so any business interest, so you're probably starting to get an idea of, of the difference between an exempt resource, house or car, versus a countable resource. Now, when we talk about countable resources, we have to realize that many people own IRAs, individual retirement accounts, and many people own IRAs because when they worked, they contributed some of their compensation and perhaps even the employer matched it into a perhaps a 401k account and when they retire they rolled their 401k balance into their IRA their individual retirement account some people question whether the IRA is a countable resource I've got the Louisiana Medicaid eligibility manual right here so I'm just going to point out the relevant provisions of that So I'm just going to read it to you, and it's about three or four sentences, but it says money put into an IRA can usually be withdrawn regardless of whether or not the individual is working. Count funds in an IRA as a countable resource. There you have it. And then it goes on to address the situation of penalties and income tax, and if the money is not immediately accessible because it says, when retirement funds are an available slash countable resource, use the following information to determine the countable value of the retirement fund. Three bullets. First bullet. If there is a penalty assessed for early withdrawal, count the amount available after the penalty is deducted. Many of you may know if you take an IRA distribution and you're younger than 59 and a half, you'll have to pay a 10% penalty. Medicaid says count the amount available after the penalty is deducted. 
Second bullet. See, many of you know that if you take an IRA distribution from a traditional IRA, you're going to have to pay income tax on that distribution. But it's kind of surprises me when the Medicaid manual reads, if there are taxes owed on the funds, count the amount before taxes are deducted. So if someone owns a $100,000 IRA, and if they took a distribution, let's say they'd have to pay $30,000 of income tax on that distribution. The way the Medicaid manual reads is says they have $100,000 of countable resources because it says if there are taxes owed on the funds, count the amount before taxes are deducted. And then the last bullet talks about the uh, availability of the of the money in an IRA. It says, if the actual withdrawal is delayed for reasons beyond the control of the applicant slash enrollee, count the value as a resource effective the first month the funds were actually available, even though the funds are not actually received until a later month. So someone has an IRA in July, they start the process to take a distribution. They don't get that distribution until August or September. Medicaid says tough, um, you know, it was available in July, so it's a countable resource for July. So there you have the Louisiana Medicaid rules. But here's the deal. It's, um, it's really easy for someone to plan in advance and uh, retitle or transfer assets out of their name in an attempt to start this, you know, five-year look-back period for purpose of purposes of a future Medicaid application or Medicaid eligibility. Some people transfer assets they, that they own to others, their children. But the downside of that is, you know, they they lose com they lose all control over what they had by transferring it to their children. Also, there's some gift tax consequences. Also, from a capital gains tax standpoint, by donating assets to your children, uh, your children will get a carryover basis rather than a step-up in basis, which they'd benefit from if they inherit the assets when you pass away. So there's several detriments just to taking everything out of your name and putting it in your children's or heirs' names. So what many people do is they transfer assets to very particular types of trusts that are designed for, you know, with the Medicaid rules in mind. And the reason people transfer assets to a trust is it does start the five-year look-back period for Medicaid eligibility, and it allows the individual who transferred assets to that trust to retain some element of control um, by using a trust and then instead of just putting it all in your children's names. So what kind of control you can have by transferring assets to a trust is really a, a, a topic for another podcast. But um, just know that it's commonly done and every state has its own little nuances. So you got to work with somebody who really you know gets it right for you the first time. Now, it's pretty easy to transfer most of what you own out of your name, whether it's to other individuals or whether it's to a trust. So it's pretty simple to transfer your real estate to a trust or to others. It's just done through paperwork where John Smith may own real estate and then he on paper transfers it to uh, the Smith Family Trust, let's call it. And so that's just a paper transaction. Even if John owns stocks, bonds, mutual funds, he can retitle those accounts into the name of his trust. If he owns annuities, if he has some cash value and some life insurance policies, it's if he owns a, a business interest. Again, pretty simple to um, 
retitle those assets, get those assets out of one's name for purposes of Medicaid eligibility. But what it's more difficult to do is to transfer an IRA that someone owns because an IRA must be owned by an individual. And and you can't transfer an IRA to a trust and you can't transfer an IRA to a spouse or a child or children or other third parties without first taking a distribution from the IRA and paying taxes on it and then transferring those after-tax proceeds to a trust or to others. So just let me give you an example. Let's say uh, John has a $400,000 IRA. You know, that's where all of his funds were that he accumulated while he was working and they grew. So now he's, you know, 75 years old and he sure he's taking some required distributions, but he still has a $400,000 traditional IRA balance. He can't just put that IRA in his kids' names. He can't transfer that IRA to a trust. He's, you know, I like to tell people, you know, it's great that you have it, but you're kind of stuck with it. The only way to get it out of your name is to take a distribution, pay all those taxes, and, you know, if John were to take a $400,000 IRA distribution, um, at least a big chunk of that would be taxed at our highest, you know, 39.6 or whatever it is, federal income tax rate, plus whatever state tax um, might be applicable as well. So, uh, you know, maybe 40% would go to the IRS if John attempted to get that asset, that IRA, out of his name. So that's that's a that's the real issue that some families face and they don't realize it until they, you know, really dig deep and talk to someone who really understands all of this stuff. Now, there are uh, several other strategies that are available to help people who want to protect what they have, are trying to protect what they have, and they're doing it in, in advance. And part of what they have is is an IRA. There are strategies that are available, um, you know, four or five that that we take advantage of to to you know, protect the value of that IRA. But it's just uh, different rules apply to the IRAs as far as transferring assets out of your name than uh, than other assets. Now, some people own, uh, most people who own IRAs own traditional IRAs. Some people own Roth IRAs. Tax has already been paid. You know, you take a distribution from a Roth IRA, it's not taxable, not subject to income tax. So some people think that they can transfer their Roth IRA to their trust. Well, they, not really, because uh, again, that Roth IRA, uh, only way to get it out of your name is to take a distribution. Now the distribution will be income tax free. So, but you have to take the, the funds out of the Roth IRA and then, you know, transfer them to a trust or others, you know, where it's not in your name anymore. But you can't transfer a, an IRA, traditional or Roth, in whole um, to another third party or to a trust. And then others mistakenly believe that because they have beneficiaries designated on their IRA, then that's that's taking it out of their name and it won't be a countable resource anymore. Hmm, nothing true about that statement. You know, the designated beneficiaries that you have on your IRA is just who gets that those IRA funds when you pass away. 
But if you're alive and you have to go into a nursing home, those IRA funds are going to be a countable resource and you're going to have to deplete those prior to Medicaid eligibility. And then others believe that because the IRA is a um, non-probate asset, um, when an IRA owner dies and there are designated beneficiaries, then no court orders, no probate, no what in Louisiana is called a succession proceeding is necessary to transfer that IRA to the beneficiaries when the IRA owner dies. But again, that doesn't um, keep the IRA from being a countable resource of the IRA owner while the IRA owner is alive. So Again, a lot of particular rules. Bottom line here, the IRA that you own, traditional or Roth, is a countable resource. If it's a traditional IRA, it's, it's really more difficult to get it out of your name because you have to take a distribution from the IRA and pay income taxes. Nobody likes to do that. I don't blame them. There are other alternatives that are available to protect assets uh, from losing everything you have if you need long-term care, but you got to work with the right people at the right time. Um, some of these strategies must be uh, implemented uh, at least five years before you enter a nursing home. So start early, don't procrastinate, and, um, and get the information that you need to get it right the first time. I'm Paul Rabelais. Hope that helps. Y'all have a great day.